Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back once again. This is episode two on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. I'm so happy to be a part of this whole new um, endeavor and just to be with a, a brand new station. And and like I said, you know, we're talking sports. It's 4th of July. Uh, man, I hope everybody enjoyed your 4th of July. I did. You know, I got some, I was able to go to a couple of barbecues, hung out with people. Nothing too crazy, you know, it's, um, to me, it feels like the holiday, like the 4th of July, doesn't mean the same as when you were younger. And when you're older, it's kind of like, oh, okay, 4th of July, we get a day off of work, you know, it's that type of feeling. But uh, it's funny because, you know, while everyone's enjoying the, the festivities, I think the real joy, if you're a sports fan, especially an NBA fan, has got to be NBA free agency. Everyone was waiting for midnight that Friday. I was uh, actually that Saturday morning, which was July 1st. Uh, you were waiting to hear the big debut of Woj. You wanted Woj from the vertical to join ESPN, change the landscape of how we break news with the NBA. Now, granted, the guy has built up a huge reputation over the years, and I, for one, follow him on a regular basis. But it was a little different this time around because it just felt weird seeing a guy like Woj who kind of made his name with the smaller Yahoo Sports brand. You know, the vertical, he built it up. He he brought it to like this huge prominence that it is today. And to see him, you know, go to ESPN, who I always felt like he had this vendetta against that he wanted to prove that he was better than the whole time. To see him join that group, that was different. That was a different uh, uh, feeling for me. I, I gotta be honest with you, but you know what? Get your money, Woj. They paid you well. They were using you all weekend, man. You didn't have much of a 4th of July weekend. You were just out there working, breaking news. Uh, obviously, one of the first big news that you broke was the uh, record-breaking contract for one Steph Curry. And I, I don't think anybody, anyone can really come out and say, oh, Steph didn't deserve this money. Steph deserved that money. The Golden State Warriors, you're talking about being in the finals the last three years. Um, what is the, uh, I can name all the records he's won single-handedly for, you know, being probably the best three-point shooter of all time, which is going to happen soon. Uh, he's already, ha- he has this team at a pace where everyone's already projecting him to win another five titles. There's no exaggeration here. So he signs on. Uh, I think a couple of more years now, $201 million. My goodness. When you hear stuff like that, it makes you think, you know, as a broadcaster, a journalist, man, I really wish I would have worked on my free throws a little more. Probably a jump shot, you know, my basketball handle when I was younger. You're talking about $201 million, not counting endorsements, to play basketball for a living. Hey, stuff. You know, all the power to you, man. That's that's living life right there. You, Aisha, Riley, the whole family are going to have a great time with that. That's That was one of the first big news that was hit. You know, everyone wanted to know about that situation. Ron Baker of the Knicks, you know, I just have to put it out there. You know, I'm a big I'm a big Ron Baker fan. I think the guy played hard for his first year not being drafted. He had to break his own news that he was returning to the Knicks on Twitter because uh, the Knicks didn't make a formal announcement yet. All power to you, man. It was just a, a fun dynamic that people, like, had fun with over the over the weekend. So, Baker, you know, hey, use it as motivation. Let them really know your name. Make sure they really know who you are this season. And I'm speaking on behalf of the Knicks. But speaking of those New York Knicks, before free agency could even start, and I brought this up on the first episode here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio, Phil Jackson. What was going on through Phil Jackson's mind? We, you know, we're just saying like he wants to push Melo out. He has all these plans of what he wants to do with the Knicks, the triangle offense, etc., etc. But guess what? Apparently, James Dolan thought another way. So he he gave Phil the axe, but he gave Phil the corporate axe, the the polite axe. Instead of just saying you're fired, he goes out and says, "Oh, you know, we have parted ways with Phil Jackson, mutually parted ways." So he put out a little statement saying how, you know, Phil is such a respected member of the Knicks family, not only as, a, you know, as an executive, but for his years of service, you know, bringing the two championships to New York as a player. 
and then Phil was just saying, I will always be a New York Nick at heart. But, you know, come on. This this was really behind closed doors. Dolan sitting down with Phil and saying, hey, man, they already don't like me. Okay? And they don't like you. It's got to be one or the other. Like, you can't be both of us up here and then everyone hates us. You got free agency coming up. Nobody wants to come to the Knicks. I got to make a change. I'm not going to fire myself. That's basically what he said. I'm, I'm the owner. I'm not going to fire myself. So, sorry, Phil. And just like that, Phil Jackson's gone. Now, I'm not going to play the whole Michael Rappaport uh, rant about it because he was it, was it was funny. Don't get me wrong. It was funny, very vulgar. But uh, that's how a lot of Knicks fans felt. It was about time. As great a guy as Phil Jackson, I think he is, I just feel like the game passed him by a bit, you know? And uh, I'm going to, a little bit later in the show, I'm going to play some reactions from uh, probably his biggest fan, and I'm saying this, it's all types of sarcasm. Stephen A. Smith gave his thoughts on Phil Jackson being let go. I'm sorry, parting of ways with the New York Knicks. So I'll play that a little bit later in the show. Uh, also, I'm going to just go through some of the other news. Uh, I'm going to hear some audio from Woj's first day or first night with ESPN and just how they they, they basically welcomed him with open arms. You know, we paid you all this money, changed the game. Even though a lot of people are saying Sham, you know, from the uh, vertical, uh, Shams has been really doing a great job. The guy's taken over now mainly as the main guy there since uh, Woj has left. He's kind of Woj's... Uh, well, just student, in a sense. It's now become the student. has become the teacher. He started breaking a lot more news. It was a nice little battle back and forth. Just seeing who was going to break this news first. Who had details. The Gordon Hayward situation. Gordon Hayward said, forget Woj. Forget Shams. Forget anybody else. I'm just going to go to Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter. I, I knew Jeter had something up his sleeves when he said the Players' Tribune. Because a lot of players are going straight to it. They're saying it in their own words. So, Gordon Hayward announced it on the 4th of July that he was going to the Boston Celtics, which everyone sort of expected years ago. Brad Stevens being there now, it's, it just felt like this is where he needs to be, let's be honest. Gordon Hayward automatically makes the Celtics a better team because there's nobody in the Eastern Conference now. You know, you got Jimmy Butler in Minnesota, you got uh, Paul George. How, how did Paul George slip out of all these different players, uh, these different teams, um, out of their hands. I feel like a lot of teams had opportunities to make a run at Paul George, especially since all Oklahoma City had to give up was Victor Oladipo and Sabonis. And I, I just felt like that wasn't enough. Paul George is a great player. And I, I think if you're Russell Westbrook, you are excited. You now have a, uh, you have a partner now. You actually have a guy that you could pass the ball to and probably get 20 assists a game. Just a, a great job by... Uh, by Presti in uh, Oklahoma City, you know, it just, th that was, to me, they were like the big winners of free agency. They also, they also picked up uh, Patrick Patterson, a very underrated player. For the cheap, mind you. And I, and I just look at this roster now, Oklahoma City's looking a little, look a little nice. You got the MVP in Russell Westbrook. You got, you know, you got Patterson on the cheap. You're bringing Paul George, who could easily be an MVP candidate. I like what's going on in Oklahoma City. So that's, it's just, like I said, it's been a lot of, like, news just breaking over and over and over again. It's probably going to be some more stuff as we're recording right now. But uh, this is what makes sports great. You know, so uh, we're also going to take a look at the uh, situation with Gronk. Apparently, Gronk was uh, one of the roasters during the David Ortiz uh, roast they had for him. You know, he had his uh, jersey retired by the Boston Red Sox. So in honor of his charity, they did a roast for him. Some people said some of the things he said were offensive. I'm going to let you guys be the judge. You haven't heard it yet. I'll play that as well later in the show. Also, I'm going to I'm actually going to start off the show because we had the 4th of July contest in regards to the hot dog eating contest, which is a big event every year in Brooklyn. And um, once again, Joey Chestnut picked up the win. 72 hot dogs. My goodness, 72 hot dogs. That's that's unheard of. You would think that's unheard of. I, I didn't think it was possible, but 72 hot dogs in 10 minutes. Joey Chestnut is still, once again, your champion of the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest in Coney Island. So I, I actually had the opportunity to speak with one of the um, one of the, the competitors from this year. He's been a competitor for, I, I believe, last 10 years or so. 
Eric Badlands Booker. This is actually an interview um, I had with him alongside uh, Stanley Talouis, who works as a correspondent on Keep It A Real Sports. Uh, we spoke to him about, this was about 20, uh, 2010, just about his preparation going into a hot dog eating contest, as well as his other endeavors that he does do, and just the lifestyle, because it, everybody thinks like these guys are, you know, this is all they do. They have other jobs, and he talks about his own job that he does as well in the process of, you know, training and, and competing in these tournaments that not that are not just the hot dog eating contest, but different uh, championships around the world. So uh, it's, it's definitely a great listen. It's a throwback. You can also catch it on the website, but it's, it's something important. And it also relates to the uh, 4th of July con- um, contest. I don't know why I'm tripping on my words. Maybe I was eating hot dogs, but uh, it's uh, definitely a good listen. So I'm going to play that as well. And I'm going to have uh, Jake Montgomery. Jake Montgomery, young journalist. Uh, guy also writes for Keep It A Real Sports. He uh, does a lot with baseball. And he's also a uh, a, a proud proud worker for uh, ESPN Radio. I couldn't think of the right way to say it, but uh, you know he does a great job. The guy does so many different things that I don't even want to put him in a, uh, a specific category. So I'm going to talk to him about the Yankees, about the Mets, about All Star Weekend, uh, just everything that goes on with Major League Baseball around this time. Now, mind you, I do work for Major League Baseball, but. I don't want to just speak on my behalf of what I see from it because I'm just going to tell you I, I enjoy it. It's great. But um, just to hear his side of it, obviously he's on the other end. He's uh, working for ESPN, and he could just give you his whole breakdown of what's going on in the world of baseball. So, once again, thank everybody for listening, and uh, we'll just enjoy. It's going to be a great show. You listen to Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. And uh, like I said, we're going to go right into the classic interview myself and uh, Stan Louise had with Eric Badlands Booker, competitor for the hot dog eating contest. So just to hear his whole lifestyle and competing in major league eating contests. This is, a, like I said, a great listen. He's a local guy, so uh, definitely enjoy it. So how are things going? Everything is going good, you know. Just uh, we, I just finished a photo shoot for uh, New York Newsday. Yeah, your boy Badlands is going to be on the cover of uh, on the Sunday Newsday on the LI Life section. You know, that's, that's the, um, the big section inside, uh, inside the Newsday. Yeah, your boy's going to be on the cover, so... Um, yeah, you know, pick that up when, um, you know, July 4th comes, so you get ready for the hot dog contest. It'll be on ESPN as well. You can't make it down there. 12 noon is where it all pops off. Definitely, man. Congratulations. Uh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Well, I, 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 um, I've watched the, uh, I've watched the, 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 the contest every, every year or every other year, whenever I can. What, what's mm-hmm. your what's your feeling on, on on like guys like Kobayashi and Eater X and guys like that that just every year just these are small guys. I mean, you're a bigger dude. I mean, you're. I mean, people expect you to you know put away a few hot dogs, you know. But these are small dudes. Like, how do you feel about that? Well, um, I would have to say that um, that that you know, I mean, it's, in this sport, you know, I, I you know I wish it was an advantage, but size is not really an advantage. You know, it. Um, it's basically the way you train your stomach, and um, there was actually a theory that was written um, an, uh, about a, uh, ten years ago by a guy named Ed Crotchy. It was called the Bubba Fat Theory, and you know he said that uh, you know the the thinner guys do better because um, they don't have the fat around their stomach to um, to hold them back when you know when their stomach expands you know while they're eating hot dogs or. Whatever food that you know, you know that we eat in competition. So, I mean, you know, the theory is kind of sound, but you know, I have um, really st- stepped my game up tremendously since um, that theory came out. But you know, it could be some truth to it. You know, maybe if I, um, you know, drop a few pounds, you know, drop a few, uh, you know, weight around the midsection, I mean, maybe I could be putting up. Uh, Chestnut and Kobayashi numbers, so you never know. I mean, I, I saw I saw a documentary. I think it was I think it was the MTV one, uh, the True Life. Um, I'm a competitor. Okay. Yeah. And Kobayashi okay. Kobayashi's stomach is like 
like it's a machine yeah <laughs> yeah you know people were saying that you know the dude got two stomachs and you you, you know you, you know somebody does something phenomenal you know they, 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 they're gonna um talk and talk about him like or her like like you know like they're gods you right. know what i'm saying but uh but yeah he basically just trains you know it's like right. You need four things in order to do well in the sport. You need, uh, of course, you need the room, the capacity. You need uh, a good strategy. You need, uh, you know, a pretty fair amount of stamina, and you need a strong, focused mind. So uh, as far as capacity goes, we we basically, um, I don't want to say stretch our stomachs because the stomach is like a muscle. It's like, you know, if you're in the gym, you're working on the bicep, and you basically... um, you, you know, you know, you put the bicep on the stretch. You do the right, curls. Right. You know what I'm saying? And um, and and once you um, you know, and 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 then you know, it gets that shock. It's like, oh man, you know what I'm saying? But you know, once you, once you hit the curl, you know, again, you know, a day a day later or whatever, you know, is used to it. So then you up the weight. So the so stomach you, is the same way. So you're saying not everybody can do it. Yeah, well, yeah, with time and training, you know, you know, yeah, pretty much anybody can do it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But you know, it's it's uh, I, I mean, you know, it helps if you have a natural appetite. But you know, it's just like all things. You know, what I'm saying, you, you know, you know, you know, stars are made; they're not really born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you say to people that don't consider competitive eating a uh, sport? I say, come and try it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> all right. Come 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 down to a contest. Come come down to a contest and like you know. You know, put your um, you know, your your stomach where your mouth is, or you know, your money where your stomach right. is, or you know the saying. <laughs> you know, because it's it's definitely hard. I mean, I've I've had like athletes that do traditional sports. You know, like like you know, uh, case in point. You know, Jen Alcorn. You know, when we did white swap. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a um, she's a three time undefeated boxer, right? And mm-hmm. and you know, dur- during um, you know, my week, you know, I, I you know, she actually stepped up to the table and. And 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 they're training room with hot dogs, and you know she managed to get a few down in in a couple of minutes, and she said it was hard, <laughs> you know. She said it was like the hard, like one of the hardest things that she ever did. But but you know, but but you know, but she gave me my props though. You know, it's it's definitely a sport because it's like, you know, we have to train for it. It's competitive, you know. Saying so you, you you know you, you know we have a clock, and it's like, I mean. It's pretty much an internal sport. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things going on inside, you know, with opposed to like basketball, baseball, football. You see everything go, you know, going on outside. I mean, I'm I'm looking at some of your records here, man. Like I not my definition of a sport is that if no if nobody can do it, if not everybody can do it, it's got to be a sport. Like I can I can go out there on any given day and golf. I don't think golf is a sport, personally. That's how I feel. But this, this is golf insane. Golf is hard, though. It is. No, don't get me wrong. It is. But you know, come on. You wearing a polo shirt? Come on, bro. Uh huh. But I'm looking at this. I mean, 15 Burritoville burritos in eight minutes. Uh huh. I mean, bro. It, I, I, it's taking me like half an hour to eat one sometimes. Come on. <laughs> I mean, six, 16 and a half cannoli and six. I, I, I think I do that one. I could do that one. The cannoli one, I could do that one. Yeah, yeah. Four pounds. It's not. It's not. They're little. Yeah. I mean, four uh, four pounds of hash. Yeah, that's a lot. Fifty mini cheesecakes. (laughs) Forty nine days donuts. Fifty what? what, I I don't even know what that is. What is that? What? What? Uh, Pure Purim cookies. What? What are those? Oh, oh, hamantaschen. That's that's a um that's a a kosher um dish. It's like a it's like a triangle cookie with like some um you know some some apricot stuff in the middle. You know it's. I mean, it's, it's it's a cookie, and my, it's like my God. <laughs> uh, in your in your career, what was, what was the toughest dish to um eat? The toughest thing I had to eat was um, I, I did a show back in '02 called the Glutton Bowl, and 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 it's like uh, they had like regular um foods, and where if you made it to the if you won in that category, you made it to the finals. But you had to eat something weird, which but it was twenty five grand on the line. So I won mm-hmm. the egging contest. Right, mm-hmm. and and you know it was rumors on what it was, right? And and then once we get to the final table, right? They had us eating uh, cow brains. Oh, wow! Yeah, what? Yeah, I was cow like cow brains. Cow brains. You know, I was like looking at this, and 
Yo, I watched a lot of horror movies coming up, and I was like, yo, I don't know if I can do this, yo. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like some Fear Factor type of stuff right there. That's Yeah, yeah, it, it was pretty Fear Factor-ish, you know, because they were pan-seared, so it was like, you you know, you saw, you didn't bring. It was like, you know, Land of the You see all the, the lines, and you know, the brain. <laughs> and, uh. and, and, um... You know, I did okay. I mean, you know, um, you know, you know, you know, my boy, um, Hungry Charles Hardy came out the bag and he was like, "Yo, eat them brains, man! Eat them brains!" <laughs> so I was like, I was like, okay, you know, I, that little push helped me. But uh, Kobayashi won that one too. You know, oh, yeah, he ate yeah. seventeen pounds of that. I was yeah. like, "Yo, he's a beast." He's a, yeah. he's quite the animal. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything that you ever go into a contest of eating something that you like, and is just does it, does it ever make you tired of eating that? Like, I know when I eat something too much, I get tired. Is that that ever happen to you? Hmm. Nah, not not really. I mean, um, I know that that if I um, if I have a the, the one thing that I, I can't eat no more, like like um, that, that same contest, the glutton bowl. There was a you know I won an egg eating contest, so hard boiled eggs, mm-hmm. and then. Um, you know, to this day, I haven't eaten a hard boiled egg because it's like, you, you know, that that like kind of spoiled it for me. And you said that was an O2. Yeah. So it's yeah, years so of just staying away no, from hard boiled yeah, eggs. No yeah, no hard boiled eggs. Um, okay. You know, you know, no no egg salad, none of that. I would hate that. I would hate that. I love eggs. I would. I would. I. You know, what would I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I, I like eggs. You know, you, you know, you you, you you put it in the pot and scramble it, but don't boil it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Okay, now I'm gonna take you to. I'm gonna go in the future. I'm gonna take you right to Sunday. What okay. is your What is your mindset gonna be going there Sunday? The crowd is gonna be going crazy. Whole bunch of Nathan's hot dogs, televised. What What is your mindset like? How do you get yourself ready for this? Well, um, well, basically, um, this year, right? You know, you know, I'll I'll be doing a lot of rapping before the contest. So, oh, yeah. So, so it's like, uh, you, you know, I I have a few um. You know, I have a few stuff on iTunes, you know. Uh, I do a little hip-hop, you know, related to the eating, you know what I'm saying? And, this, and you know, I got stuff, you know, if you, if you want to check it out, you know, I got stuff on um, uh, on YouTube, you know, uh, youtube.com slash Badlands Booker. You know, I got stuff on, you know, Facebook and Twitter and, you know, and all that. And the MySpace is still popping, even though most MySpaces are not. But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but I, I'm just saying that, um, I, I mean, I, I feel the energy from the crowd, and it's like, it's like basically, um, you, you know, and um, an hour before we actually start eating, you know, I, I, you know, I, I do like three or four songs, and it's like that really hypes me up because you, you know, the crowd really digs it, and it's like, you, you know, it gets me really psyched up. So, you know, and after I finish that, you know, saying I go in the back and I just pretty much meditate and just get my mind right on, you know, you know, the issue at hand, you know, saying eating all you can, you know. So um, that's pretty much how I prepare for it. If you had to choose between the two, either the hip hop or the competitive competitive eating, which one would you do? Wow, that, that's tough because I love them both. You know, what I'm mm-hmm. saying I love them both. I mean, I, you know, I would have to say the hip hop because you know I've been doing it all my life. But you know, but but you know, I, the eating is you know is a big part of my life as well. So that would be a tough one, you know, but. I mean, hey, I, you know, I, if I got a if I got a deal tomorrow, hey, I, I would I would run with it. You know what I'm saying? And you know, and, and but but I'll 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 definitely you know go to the contest and you know the ones that I could make and definitely just you know uh, you know you know you know spit a little songs or whatever. So right. it's all good. How long before and after do you do you like do you before before a a, 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 a competitive eating contest? How long before? the contest do you eat like what do you eat right before do you eat like a day before do you wait or after or like nah, the- I, I, I would i would probably eat like um like my last meal would be like 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 sunday's the contest my last meal would be like like saturday saturday afternoon okay you know like like saturday night i probably have a protein shake mm-hmm. that's it you know sunday morning the same thing you know, and, and you know, and, and I'll probably do my final stomach stretching. You know, you, you know, probably do, you know, drink some water just to get, mm-hmm. you know, you know, get, get my stomach right because you know you have to be empty and ready to go. You know, and so how, like, how long I'm after not, do you wait? 
How long after? Yeah, like how after the contest? How long? How long do you wait before you? Oh, eat? I, I I don't want to see no food until maybe <laughs> later on that night or tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not thinking about nothing else to eat. Another, I mean, I've and I watch these contests, and I, especially the hot dog one, and you guys dip the the bread in water, and honestly. I mean, I'm sure you guys. It, 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 it serves a purpose, but I, I don't. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I like no, to. No, I, I like to enjoy the food. <laughs> I feel you on that. No, I mean, it's like it's one of those things that hey, hey, I'll be the first one to admit that you know, you, there's nothing appetizing about water-soaked bread. <laughs> nothing at all. Right. But, yeah. But but you know, you got to understand the science behind it. It's like the reason why we dip the water in the bread is so that, you know, it makes the bread a consistency where you can just swallow it. Right, right. You know, opposed to, like, um, you, you know, just eating it, you know, just regular and then drinking behind it. And, right. And then, and then the bun expands in your stomach and it takes up room. Mm -hmm. So it's like that's the reason why we dip it. You know, the Japanese brought that over, and it's like, you, you know, that that's how the, the numbers have been going so high. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, it, it's pretty much a science behind it. But what um what 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 what's been happening is that um is that um basically some of the um the, you know the people has been um like like uh, using like drinks like uh, like Gatorade or. Crystal light, to, right. you know, to uh, you know, the upset, you know, the offset, the taste or whatever. Right. But but yeah, there's nothing advertising about that. So, right. it's, it's, it, it says it says you're a you're a conductor on the seven train. Yeah, which yeah. happens to be my second favorite train in the world. I mean, oh, all right, behind, all right, behind, yeah. behind the E, because I live right, I live I live in Rosedale, so I I, okay. I, ri I ride those trains a lot. Uh huh. Like, so all right, you're 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 a conductor on the seven train. I'm just, you know, it's, you ride through Jackson Heights all the time, I'm sure. You right, run it, right. And there's tons of food around there. What's your favorite place to eat? Well, I would have to say that halal spot that's right downstairs at, at, um, at uh, Roosevelt Avenue. 74th Street, right? 74th Street. I've been there. I love that place. Right, right downstairs next to the bank, there's a halal spot, man. I know exactly where I, that is. It, 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 I, you know, whenever I'm in the area, you know what I'm saying, um... You know, working. Uh, you, you know, you know, getting off the train, or if I um, if I'm doing flagging with something else that conductors do. You know, we we, we uh, you, you know, we're actually on the tracks and um, you know, protecting contractors. You know, while they work on the tracks. If I'm over there, I just gotta run down there and get and get my lamb and chicken on. You know, get the white get the white <laughs> the sauce. white sauce exactly the white sauce. <laughs> I, don't white. I don't know what it is, but I love it. It's a yogurt sauce. <laughs> is it? It's, it's yogurt. It's like a yogurt sauce. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get that white sauce, the hot sauce, the little bit of barbecue there, yeah. sauce, little bit of barbecue sauce. You know, get that basmati rice on oh, there, man. man. <laughs> you get to go. Oh man, nothing, nothing like that halal spot. <laughs> not, not, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. All right, All right. now, Bad and before we let you go, um, you have a, a new track on iTunes right now called "Summer Are You Ready." Yes. And we would like to. Um, can you please um, throw to the song? We're actually gonna play it right now. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, just t t tell us about the song. Just uh, oh, oh, yeah. basically, um, summer, are you ready? It, it, it's, it's just the anthem, you know. what I'm saying it's basically, you, you know, you know, the weather is getting warm, and it's already summer, and and you know, we just want to, I just want to, you know, let you know, let you know that summer's coming or summer's here already. You know, mm -hmm. are you ready for it? You know, what I'm saying, are you ready to get your summer on? You know, are you ready to, to you know, you know, to take off all the winter clothes and just, you know. You, you know, hang, you know, just hang out and just talk to the shorties while they while they got all you know, mm -hmm. while they looking good and dressed them less. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, just it just basically you know, it's only it's only three four months out the year. You know, and there's not there's no time like the summer. So you're right, you're right. You know, you know, are you ready to get your summer on? Basically. All right, Eric Badlands Booker, like would love to thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank I mean, Kobayashi is out. Not that he, even if he was in, I I I wasn't rooting for him. I, I, now I got some. I got somebody new to root for. Yeah, you definitely got our vote. <laughs> I mean, you you, you, you you got our support. I mean, Eater X can just you know you know eat something else for all I care. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> Joey Chestnut could I don't know. I, I, I could I could come up with something clever, but I, I can't say it on the radio. I feel you. <laughs> Getting down, 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 down.
Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. And uh, once again, I was going to get into just the different sounds and stuff that was going on this past week that uh, really stood out to me. Obviously, got to get into Stephen A. Smith talking about Phil Jackson because, you know, usually if you ever heard Stephen A. on first take, he has a lot of different opinions of Phil. All of them are bad opinions, but uh, the way he uh, relays his message is usually saying, get him out of here, etc., um, just uh, take a listen to uh, how he felt about Phil and the Knicks, quote-unquote, parting ways. Let me take it from here. It's cause for celebration. Let's be very, very clear about this. On this particular day, even though the statement wasn't the greatest in the world, we should pay thanks to James Dolan. A little bit late to the party, but nevertheless, he came to his senses. Phil Jackson needed to go. You know why Phil Jackson needed to go? Because he never really wanted the job in the first place. He wanted the money. He was here for the money. He he fleeced James Dolan and the Knicks for the money. And ultimately, he walks out the door with all of the money. Money. The 60 million total. This is what he wanted. This is what he got it. Never wanted to do the job. Laughed. Laughed. According to confidants that told me this, when James Dolan was pursuing him years ago, he offered them six million. It wasn't enough. He offered them seven million. Phil Jackson said no. He offered eight and nine. And then Phil Jackson ultimately went to confidants and said, What can I do? The man keeps up in the ante, keeps offering me more money, basically for doing nothing. How the hell could I turn this down? Sure, Phil Jackson was the president of basketball operations. Sure, he had the luxury of being able to control things to make sure he made final decisions. But he left all the work to Steve Mills. He said yay or nay, never scouted really, barely talked to anybody, couldn't get stars to sit down and have lunch with the man for crying out loud. Notice I didn't say dinner because that's more expensive. You know, he could even have him have lunch with him, okay? This is what the man did. This is what he brought to the table, which was absolutely nothing. And it's been time for him to go. And damn it, it's about time long overdue, shouldn't have been allowed to, to, to draft this kid out of France, should have been gone long before the draft. We shouldn't have heard from Dolan talking about he was going to keep Phil on. But listen, let bygones be bygones. Nobody's flawless. Everybody makes mistakes. Dolan was a little bit late to the party. But ultimately, he got it done. And it is time to move now into a different era, away from the triangle, away from somebody who doesn't want to listen to anybody. And more importantly, somebody who had a job that he never wanted to perform in the first place. That is the legacy of Phil Jackson as an executive in this industry, and and thank the good Lord that it is over. Yeah, so uh, that was some pretty pretty out there stuff once again from Stephen A. Smith, not holding back at all, and you know, it's it's what happens. Hey, Phil is out. Everyone in New York, that's a Knicks fan, got what they wanted. Now let's see what Mills can do. You know, he has some uh, deals that he still needs to make out there because the Knicks need to make some moves immediately. Now, uh, speaking of moves, the uh, the network in uh, New England, Nesson, they cover the Red Sox, the Patriots, and uh, mostly all of New England sports. They refused to air the uh, roast for David Ortiz as expected because they felt like some things that Rob Gronkowski, the tight end for the Patriots, um, was uh, very offensive. They felt like he was a little bit out there. And uh, he talked about some racial things. Now, I, I listened to it, and I, I, I saw where Gronk was coming from. A lot of it was jokes. In the video, Ortiz is visibly laughing at it. They are good friends. So there's different ways you could, you could take from it, but I'm going to let you guys hear the audio and give your opinions on it. Uh, you know, feel free to tweet me at Ed Easton Jr. And if you have any thoughts, if this was offensive and that maybe Gronk went too far and Nesson did the right thing by pulling it, feel free to let me know. But without further ado, here it is. This is Gronk talking about David Ortiz at his roast. What a career. Did you know David averaged amazing 27 home runs a year in just one triple? You fat ass. Uh, man, we've all seen those home runs, those giant blasts, and after each of them, David points to the sky. He'll tell you it's paying tribute to the big fellow, but I think he's secretly hoping it's cloudy. What a chance of meatballs. Uh, I'll tell you though, it's amazing to think David signed his first pro contract right after his 17th birthday. That's 21st birthday, USA. 
Scotty and I have a lot in common. We want championships here in New England. I want a championship and a half kind of. But I don't give a f I got two rings. <laughs> Yeah, Sarah, uh, you'll be lucky to get one. <laughs> and we both have fun, loving personalities, Big Poppy and I. But also, we both only play offense. Did you know David Average time on DH spends 4.3 minutes a game actually doing something athletic? <laughs> My mom Fitbit has more steps after a brisk mall walk than David Notch in a Double hat. <laughs> uh, Bobby, you're an inspiration to overweight beer league softball players everywhere. And I sure do see a lot of those in the crowd. You let them all down by retiring. Oh, man. When David came here, he barely knew English. Just like his nice old pal, Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> I wrote a book, so I wasn't surprised when I heard David wrote a book, too. <laughs> but I was shocked when I found out it wasn't a cookbook. Damn. Oh, by the way, David, my book's way better. You want to know why? Because you can f***ing color in my book, baby. Uh, you know, many, many of you know David spent time on the twins. So did I, Debbie and Donna. <laughs> Remember last year when they canceled David Ortiz's bobblehead night? Allegedly, because the bobblehead was racist and insensitive. <laughs> like that could ever happen in Boston. <laughs> no, they dumped the bobblehead because the friggin' spring couldn't support the damn weight of the f***ing massive Ortiz head. <laughs> I'm telling you, a poppy bobble ain't got no bobble. <laughs> David was famous a few years ago saying that if you weren't playing baseball, you want to be a porn star. Now, I know porn, and I swear, there's no way this could work. First, there's the obvious issue when Big Poppy pulls down his pants to reveal Pequeno Poppy. Uh, I'm not saying this just because David's covered in gold chains and diamond earrings. He's compensating for something. I'm just saying, he probably has a small-ass piece. <laughs> Plus, what if they do the cla- Hey, what if they do the classic porn delivery guy? Can you imagine any scenario where David actually puts down the f***ing burrito to f*** the girl? Just <laughs> <laughs> <The> f*** me. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David had a little bit of a leg problem last year, mainly due to being the same size of that piece of his. <laughs> but from the look of it, he has a breast, thigh, and wing problem too. <laughs> oh, David, thanks for showing up on time to all the Dunkin' Donuts shoots. I had a blast off for two hours in your green room every time. <laughs> you know, hopefully you never use those pillows on your brakes. <laughs> By the way, it's Dunkin' Donuts, not Yunkin' Donuts. I gotta stay for an extra 10 hours because you're a fat ass. And I'm so glad your contract ended with Dunkin' Donuts. I got one year left. Hopefully they resign me. All kidding aside, as a player, a humanitarian, and a potential porn star, David, you truly are a You're not just a home run machine with a great character on the field, but you have been an outstanding your whole career off the field, too. I'm honored to call you my friend and my Dominican brother. Poppy, you will always have a place in my heart, and of course, I'm the Gronk Party Bus, too. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now that you are retired, Three strikes means they kick you out of the country. So once again, uh, with Gronk, do you feel like he went too far? Share that with me, at Ed Easton Jr. on Twitter. 
like I said, I it's the, the way of the world now. You got to you cannot be a lot more sensitive about race, about the way you talk about people in general. It's just the type of world we're in. Gronk has to remember he's still a professional athlete. So that's where the sensitivity comes from. So before we go to break, I made sure I had some audio from uh, Adrian Wojnarowski's first night at ESPN and how uh, big a buildup it was for Woj to make the transition from being a, ph- a phenom on Twitter via Yahoo and the vertical to go into the big company known as ESPN and seeing how this whole transition was going to go down. So we're going to listen to some of the sounds of that. And when we come back, I'm going to have the one and only Jake Montgomery with me on the line talking some baseball. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio. There are far too many men and women in our business to count who do a wonderful job covering their respective sports. None of them are as dominant on their beat as Adrian Wojnarowski has been covering the NBA. Welcome home to a man who grew up in this part of the world. Welcome back, man. Scott, great to be back. We'll start uh, deals that are agreed to tonight. Okay. Tony Snell, four years, $46 million to return to Milwaukee. And I can see your phone is going off and there's business, I'm sure, going on. I'm here with Amin, Brian, and Ramona. And look, look who is joining us now. It's like by the magic (laughs) of television. J.J. Redick, uh, he will not return to the Clippers. Uh Philadelphia, ideally, would like to do a one-year deal at a very big number, 20 million plus. We'd just like to tell the Nuggets front office, hi, you can't FaceTime him when he's on there. Just pretend like he's, he's FaceTiming you right now. I just talked to Steph Curry's agent, Jeff Austin of Octagon. Uh, they just agreed in principle with the Warriors on the richest contract in NBA history. Five years, $201 million. Golden State is now putting its focus potentially on Rudy Gay. If Iguodala decides he wants a bigger deal elsewhere, uh, Rudy Gay is a player that, that they they try to bring in to replace him. I know it's been a busy day, and I know that there's more to do, but I say sincerely, there are a lot of folks here that are psyched that you are a part of our squad. Sports Social with Ed Easton Jr. We are back, and once again, I got my special guest here on the line, Mr. Jake Montgomery. He's a Keep It a Real sports writer. He does a lot with baseball. Uh, he's also... Uh, you also work for ESPN Radio in New York City, so this guy is busy all the time. Happy to have him on the show. Jake, welcome to the show. Ed, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me as your guest today. Hey, man, look, we're happy to have you. And uh, it's baseball. We're about to hit the All-Star break. A lot of different things happening. And um, we just want to clear everything up. And uh, I know you're a big Yankees fan, as I am. Uh, Yankees struggling a bit right now. What are your thoughts? What's going on? Uh, do you feel like they need to make some uh, trades coming up to the uh, deadline? Um, if you asked me a month ago, I would have definitely not thought that the Yankees would be in this situation now. But since June 12th, the Yankees have really been on the losing end of things. They led the division on June 12th by four games. And since then, they've gone 6-16, six and 16, which is obviously not great. And also, since that time, their arch rival, the Boston Red Sox, have been red hot. So they've been catching ground on the Yankees. And now, as we've seen, the lead that they had, the great lead that they built over the first couple of months of baseball, all of a sudden disappeared. And now the Red Sox have a four-game lead on the Yankees. So, obviously, the Yankees are in trouble. We've seen the, the troubles and the issues with the bullpen. It was Tyler Clippert at first, but now it's trickled down to Dylan Batances, as we saw yesterday pitched a third of an inning, walked four guys. I mean, unacceptable for an all-star. So, yeah, the Yankees are in a lot of trouble, Ed. Oh, they definitely are. And, and you know, it's funny because when you look at a guy like Batances, who uh, is really – he's been an all-star, I think, his first four years. And he just has these weird moments where he struggles, like, horribly. I mean, you talk about walking four batters, walking in a run, uh, is there any, like, thoughts that maybe, I don't know, maybe he's being overused, like they're using him way too much, that he is starting to get, like, a little tired, some uh, some arm fatigue? I don't think he was overused necessarily. I think with all the injuries that the Yankees had, they had to move him around to different situations. When Chapman went down, everyone got bumped up in innings, so he all of a sudden became the closer. Clippard moved up, and we had some injuries with Adam Warren as well, so... Yeah, I think just the way they've been 
uh, has messed with his brain a little bit. It's all a mental game, and as you see with him on the mound sometimes, you could see he's struggling with the mental game. You could see he's sweating and he's fidgety out there, and he's just not in the right set of, set of mind. So when he's right, he's one of the best relievers in baseball, but clearly something's wrong with Dylan Betances right now. I definitely agree with that. Then you also have the other injuries uh, to key players. Uh, Hicks going down was a big deal. The guy was on fire. Uh, you, you know, you get to bring up um, Cliff Frazier. Now, what are your thoughts on Frazier? Do you feel like he's um, he's ready to come up now, or this was kind of like a forced job just because of the injuries? I mean, we traded my favorite Yankee from last season, Andrew Miller, for him. So I think – I think he has to be one of the key cornerstones of the Yankees moving forward. But do I think he's ready now? I don't. And I, you saw the injury uh, with Fowler, the tragic injury with him. And that kind of has forced the Yankees and the management to bring up these guys when they're not necessarily ready. Um, Clint Frazier had a great debut. He was the first Yankee in, I think, 100 years to have a double and a home run in his debut. But he's gone 0 for 9. Um I do think he's going to be a great player, and I do think he is going to be in the Yankees' outfield moving forward, but I don't think he's right now. I, I definitely hear that. And like I said, just the whole part of them having to fill holes, just having to throw guys out there in order to make it work, that's, that's led to a lot of the problems that they've had for the last month or so. Uh, And going off something you said, Ed, we're missing a a key player in Aaron Hicks. Who would have thought that Aaron Hicks a year ago would have been a key player? I mean, but now he's (laughs) a guy that you need in that lineup. He had the second highest on-base percentage in baseball before he went down, only trailing behind his teammate Aaron Judge. And obviously we could talk about Aaron Judge for your entire podcast on how great that guy's been. Not only is he the – the clear favorite for rookie of the year. He's also the front runner right now, the MVP talk. So without judge, it could be a, a pretty crazy season, but just going off that Ed, I mean, if you asked a lot of Yankee fans, including myself before the season started with all these injuries that took place, we lost Didi for the opening month, Gary Sanchez for the opening month. We lost CC Sabathia when he really started to get hot. He was really clicking, and all of a sudden he went down for a while. Chapman was out. Castro's now out. With all of these injuries, if you told Yankee fans before the season started that they would be 44-39 and and only four games out in second place in the American League East, I think a lot of fans would have signed up for it. But after that amazing start that the Yankees got off to, everyone expected them to keep that going throughout the entire season. And as we see with baseball a lot, things – really usually even out with baseball you have your highs you have your lows but when you have your lows you really want to keep things in the right set of mind so that you can get things on the winning streak and you can get things on the right side definitely agree with that and um actually let's take a look at the other team in new york the team in queens uh, the mess they've had uh, i don't know how to break it down we could say injuries we could say uh, just uh, players not being on the same page, players that have to be traded. Every problem you could think of the Mets have had so far this season. What are your thoughts on them? Do you feel like they have enough to even try to get back to the postseason? Uh, the thing with the Mets this season is that going into the season, their biggest strength was the starting pitching staff. Everyone knew that. They had the last couple of seasons the best pitching staff in baseball. They had a, a huge – they had a huge advantage – over other teams because a lot of teams only have one ace. But with the Mets, they had guys every night that you could consider an ace. Syndergaard was an ace. DeGrom was an ace. Harvey was an ace. People were talking about Max being an ace, and Cologne was great. And all of a sudden, Cologne's gone. Harvey is clearly not the dark knight. Syndergaard got injured. Max got injured. So all of a sudden, this pitching staff, which was really the strength of this team, all of a sudden disappeared and all of a sudden the Mets need to rely on new pitchers and their bullpen and some of their, their lineup guys. And they've had some bright spots in the lineup. Jay Bruce has been great. A lot of people were on his case last year, but all of a sudden he's really back to the Cincinnati Reds, Jay Bruce and Michael Conforto is an all-star this year. So they've had some bright spots. Obviously Cespedes getting injured was huge for them. Familia being hurt the entire season was huge for them. 
But, yeah, it, it might be too late for the Mets. They're right now tied for fourth place with Miami Marlins in the National League East, and they're 11 and a half games out, and I don't think anyone's catching the Nationals in the National League East. And, unfortunately for the Mets, the wild card is just, just as tight. I mean, the National League West, besides the Dodgers being arguably the best team in baseball, they also have the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, who both have 50 wins already before the All-Star break. So it's going to be a, a very time for the Mets, and that's not even mentioning teams in the Central like the Cubs, who, are, who have been a big disappointment so far in the first half of the MLB season, and they're only at 542-42. and 42. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough challenge for the Mets to get back into things, and it's going to be very interesting to see if they decide to sell at the trade deadline or if they truly believe that they can contend and make the playoffs. Yeah, those are like uh, really big factors right now. And then you got to look at the the job situation with uh, with Collins. Uh, do you feel like this is the last run for him as a manager? I I honestly hope. I think he actually does a great job with the Mets, even with all the injuries. He always keeps them pretty positive and keeps them them fighting. But I mean, you know how things go in New York, and you know how things go with sports. There always wants to be someone to put the blame on. And unfortunately for Terry Collins, it, it really might be him that gets the blame. And it's unfortunate, but it happens in sports all the time. Definitely does. Once again, uh, we're on the live with Jake Montgomery. Now, I have to make sure, when you look at the way the All-Star game is set up this year, now, you know, obviously, we're going back to the original rules, that there isn't any home field advantage on the line this time around. Do you feel like that's going to hurt like people people's interest in watching the game? Do you feel like it's going to be just as popular now that there's, it's back it's back to being an exhibition game? Um, I think it'll definitely hurt. I've actually I've haven't been a big fan of any All Star game like the Pro Bowl or the NBA All Star game, which has just become pretty much a pickup game. But uh, yeah, All Star games in general have lost its glamour and its touch, and I'm not really sure why. Uh, I actually did tune into the MLB All-Star game every year because of the home field advantage with the World Series, but I never really, I never liked it necessarily. I didn't think that something as such high importance as World Series home advantage should have gone to the All-Star game. I've always been a believer that whichever team in either the American League or National League has the best overall record should have World Series advantage. I think that just makes the most sense. Yeah, I think uh, the All-Star game with the Major League has definitely gone down over the last few years. Uh, they try to get people interacting with fan voting now. As you know, the final vote is today. It ends today. Uh, Didi Gregorius from the Yankees is in there. And uh, as of yesterday, he was in third place behind Mike Stockis and Xander Bogart. So not too sure if he's going to make it, but... All of these guys are deserving, and both teams have pretty stacked teams. So I, I'll be tuning in for sure. Okay. Now, obviously, the other big event is the Home Run Derby. And there are two yes. Yankees in the Home Run Derby this year. Now, I, I have – this is my whole phobia. I have that whole fear of a player going into the Home Run Derby and changing their swing, and then the second half of the season starts to struggle. Uh, do you think that's even going to be a big thing? Because uh, that's what, you know, they love to bring that up whenever you talk about the Derby. Yeah, obviously the curse of the second half with the home run Derby is definitely relevant, and a lot of Yankee fans are scared that it could affect not only just Aaron Judge now, but their slugger catcher Gary Sanchez as well, even though Logan Morrison might have some problems with it. But, uh yeah, two Yankees and two Miami Marlins in the competition this year, which is a little unusual. I've, I've never really seen half of the field from two teams, but with the All-Star game and the Home Run Derby being in Miami and with Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez being two of the most relevant young players in the sport, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, obviously, as you see, uh, I don't know if you've seen the bracket yet, Giancarlo Stanton, last year's champion, is the number one seed and then two to eight, the seeds two to eight are ranked in how many home runs they have currently. So Aaron Judge is the two seed. So if everything works out and the people who are supposed to win end up winning, we might potentially see a Giancarlo Stanton Aaron Judge championship. And I mean, 
What's better than that for a home run derby? That would be the equivalent of, I don't know, like LeBron James versus Kevin Durant in the slam dunk. Even though it might be bad for Sanchez and the Yankees in the second half, there's no denying that this is great for baseball. So, Jake, you know I had to bring up your uh, great article that you put out there for Keeping It A Real Sports. Uh, can you let everybody know a little bit about it and uh, just your whole idea behind uh, creating it? Yeah, well, there's been a renaissance in baseball as of late, and I think the main reason for it has been the the young players and the energy surrounding the game now. And it's pretty crazy to think. I wrote about it in my article, but as I've gotten older, I'm currently only 23 years old, I find myself fascinated daily by these athletes that are, just seem to be getting younger and younger. Now I feel like the NBA draft, every player selected is – 14 years old, but uh, just with baseball as well, you see some of these guys coming up. Cody Bellinger, for example. The guy is one of the best players in all of baseball. He just turned 21. He could finally get a legal drink this year. So, yeah, there's a lot of exciting young players in the game. In my article, I pretty much made an all-star team for the best players in baseball under the age of 25, not including the age of 25, because if I did include the age of 25, there would be way too much talent. I mean, Chris Bryan is only 25. Mike Trout is only 25. Aaron Judge is 25. So you could see how many good young players there are in the league. And, uh, yeah, my article just highlights the people and the players that I think are going to be the next generation of superstars. The future of baseball looks very bright, and like I said, I love the way you broke it down and just the different players in terms of their ages and what they've already produced in the league. Um, now, i got to ask for your opinion here, because I know you already made your list of the different players. Who is your number one guy in terms of that age group? Who do you feel like is a top of the class? Under 25. Under 25. Not, not, in, not including 25. All right. My, I think the best player under 25 on the list, probably Bryce Harper. I mean, just to put it into perspective, Aaron Judge is phenomenal. I mean, Yankee fans, baseball fans, everyone can agree that the guy is just a monster and arguably one of the best players in baseball. But this is his first year, and he's 25 years old. Bryce Harper is 24 years old, and he's been in the league for already five seasons, you know. He's already been doing it for so long, and he's still a year younger than Aaron Judge. Bryce Harper already has playoff experience. He already has an MVP under his belt. And, uh, yeah, it would be Bryce Harper for me just because of how much he's gotten done in such a small amount of time. And like I said, he's only 24. He still has 10, 15 years left in his career. So when it's all said and done, he might be one of the best players that baseball's ever seen. And I I would definitely love to see him hitting those home runs in Yankee Stadium once his contract is up in 2019. But we'll see what happens. Well, I'm rushing ahead a little bit too much. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm already – I count the days until free agency. So <laughs> Bryce Harper and Andy well. Machado, they're all going to be free agents. So, you know, teams oh, are going to be man. spending big bucks on those guys. It will definitely be a good time as a Yankee fan if we can bring them all in. But, uh, Jake, as always, thank you very much for your insight. And uh, keep checking him out on Keep It A Real Sports. Also check him out on his radio show. You want to plug that? Uh, yeah, I do a radio show, uh, the Jake Montgomery Show, every Saturday. I've actually been on a little vacation the last month or so with my new job with ESPN. I'm just getting my foot in the door over there, so I've been taking a little break with that. But, Ed, anytime. um Anything for you, my man. I would come on your show anytime. You're, I hope everything at CBS is going great, and I really hope that I get to see you soon, buddy. Definitely, man. We got to make it happen. Have a good one, all right? You too, Ed. Bye-bye. I want to take some time to thank my guest, Jake Montgomery, for calling in, talking some baseball with us, as well as for everyone for tuning in and listening today. Another great show. Going to have another great one next week. Try to get you some more guests so you guys can listen in and share your thoughts. As always, go to keepitarealsports.com, sportssocialpod.com, at Ed Easton Jr. on Twitter and Instagram. Feel free to hit me up and let me know what you like or don't like. Check out Hoops Habit. I think I'm. I think that's enough plugging for right now. Uh, whoa, one more plug, I should say. 
Tune in next week. This is Sports Social with Eddie Sin Jr. here on Brooklyn Free Speech Radio.